This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. It's Voice of Change time with myself, Lauren Jacobs. Welcome to K-Pulpit and welcome to Voice of Change. Religious freedom is actually something that oftentimes we never ever think about. Unless we've been living in, you know, areas or countries, communities, societies or nations where we have had our religious freedom, you know, just kind of stamped out or taken away from us, be it by government, be it by, you know, people in the area, terrorism, whatever it may be. Sometimes religious freedom is something that we just never think about unless we've been in that situation. We talk a lot, we know as Christians, about those who are persecuted for their faith. We talk a lot about those who are, you know, just receiving this intense persecution and almost you know lack of freedom in their own walk in their own lives on a day-to-day basis but we know that religious freedom is actually something that many people are working towards protecting and even if it's for people who are not of the same religion we know that people around the world are working in advocacy in order to protect the world's most vulnerable when it comes to religious freedom now we have something super exciting that's taking place next week because we have the inaugural summit of the international community it's called the international religious freedom summit 2021 the irf summit and it's such a powerful powerful event because it's really about bringing together a huge coalition globally of you know religions and people who are working in religious areas working towards the protection of religious freedom. Obviously, we know in democratic societies like South Africa, it's easy to talk about religious freedom because our democracy demands it and our constitution protects us. However, there are so many places in the world where there is no democracy and where there is no protection of religious rights, freedom and acknowledgement that you know people have a choice in this area. But it's so, so powerfully important to consider you know, what we have to be looking at. And today on the show, I'm super excited to be joined by President Jeff King, who is the president of the International Christian Concern ICC organization. And ICC is actually a summit partner for the IRF summit on you know July the 13th through to July 15th. And it's taking place in Washington, D.C. And it's all about creating this public awareness and political strength for this religious freedom that we should enjoy globally. And now, you know, Jeff is so incredible because not only is the ICC president and a partner for the summit, but he has nearly two decades of work done in the international community for religious liberty, particularly for Christians. He's appeared before the American Congress to speak out about this topic. He's traveled to over 50 nations to advance religious freedom. He's authored books on religious freedom. And you know what? He's just such an advocate for Christian persecution and also for protecting the rights of Christians around the world in so many different communities. He joins me on the show and we're going to be talking about this summit. Why is it important? And also we're going to be touching on a little bit of how do we work in advocacy when we're working with people who have different religions, different faiths. How do we see this? What is God calling us to do in this time? And why we need to be having summits about 
religious freedom. So don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great show. Jeff is with me after this. Jeff, thank you so much for being with me today here on this show. It's actually going to be such a wonderful conversation, I believe, but also such an important topic that we are talking about. So firstly, before we get into it, welcome to the show today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So to start off, you know, South Africans, we kind of sitting here down here and we're going, okay, I see that you're going to be talking to Jeff about the IRF Summit. Now, could you tell us a little bit about what it is? You know, what exactly is the mission, the vision of the IRF Summit? What's it all about? Yeah, well, Ambassador Brownback uh, was formerly the head of the International Religious Freedom Office in the State Department. And under his leadership, the State Department gathered, you know, for the first time uh, under a summit, religious freedom experts from all over the world and just said, look, religious freedom is such an important topic. It's such a foundational topic that we really need to focus on it. And it's it's uh, being restricted and it's there are growing restrictions. So we're going to focus on it as as a government body. Mm. And so two of these summits were held and they were just amazing, huge events. And then Ambassador Brownback left office and he said, listen, we can't let this thing die. We've got to continue the initiative. And so that's and, and really, I think I think his effort would be to, to say to the groups like ours, uh, different agencies, as well as organizations that that fight for religious freedom. Let's let's hold up the banner and keep advancing. And so that's it. We're going to gather experts from all over the world uh, and talk about the importance of religious freedom and say, where do we need to work and what should we be doing and just uh, briefing each other. So fantastic event. Mm, it does sound fantastic. Now, when you talk about religious freedom, is it, you know, all religions that are going to be gathering together? Of course, it's not just about, you know, persecuted Christians. Is it kind of different religions and different speakers that are going to be sharing about their groups as well as what's happening globally? Yeah, it's not a Christian event at all. It's it's an event that's focused on religious freedom. Mm. And so you've got everything from Hindus to Muslims to Christians, et cetera, you, you name it, uh, we're there. Mm. And so we say, hey, look, we have obvious differences. We have uh, obvious different paths, different theologies. But uh, that apart from that, uh, we have a common goal. And that is that in a democracy, uh, religious freedom is so key. And in the United States, this is uh, it's probably a much more accessible topic, maybe because the way we were founded. But look, our founders said religious freedom is is so primary because it encompasses any other number of freedoms that you find in a democracy. Mm. And you have freedom of assembly, you have freedom of speech, of thought, of conscience. So it's this one potent freedom that if it breaks down, uh, which it is in different world. Um, it's going to affect democracy on a broad scale. So it's it's too important a topic to not push forward. And, and that's why we're trying to create a powerful coalition of organizations that will all operate together across religious, across denominational lines to say, look, religious freedom is of primary importance and we're going to fight for it. Hmm. I love that because it's so incredibly powerful and I'm sure that being exposed to what other people are facing around the world, we know that we have small minority groups, religious groups that 
you know, come under persecution in different countries and different parts of our world. And I think that being exposed to their journeys, their stories, what's happening. I've looked at some of the speakers that are going to be speaking at the IRF summit and it's so powerful. And, you know, just one speaker is going to be focusing on, you know, what's happening in, in Burma at this time, as we know, it's so intense and just different perspectives, just different realities. And do you find that that creates connection and also understanding, you know, between different people? Sometimes, you know, we can feel oh well that you know those people are different from me theologically so <laughs> i don't often have conversations with them right but now it's like it's different you're talking about persecution you're talking about what's being experienced by different people do you feel that it forms connection and and also just respect for one another yeah ab- absolutely it's so interesting because if you get into the advocacy game if you're if you're a professional in the religious freedom event but at the same time you know, a strong Christian. So you have to hold those two things in tension that, you know, my beliefs are, are absolutely core to my being. Uh, I, I don't question any of them, but that doesn't mean I can't stand up for my friend, uh, who's a Hindu or who's a Muslim or who is whatever religion, but is being persecuted for his religion. And so that's where we lay aside our theological differences, our worldviews and say, um, but, we have respect for the freedom, mm-hmm. the religious freedom. And as I described, why it's so important to say, we've all got to fight for each other. And if we don't, you know, we're going to, we're going to sink individually or we're going to, we're going to uh, get in the boat and get somewhere together. Mm. Wow. That's so, so awesome. And so the IRF summit, I wanted to just, just ask you, is this, you know, you referred to this earlier on, is this the kind of summit that you guys have had before, that you've attended before? Is this a, a new type of format for the summit? Is it something that's going to start happening now and carry on with this format into the future? Is it something new where people are coming together? Is it an, it's not a new idea, but is it just kind of new with its outcomes? Well, and I, I'm not sure even outcomes. I think it's more just the source. So before, again, Ambassador Brownback, you know, under the U.S. government as mm-hmm. the head of the Religious Freedom Office within the State Department, you know, had one of these summits, had two of them, if I remember, that were uh, under the auspices of the State Department. Well, that's no longer the case. I mean, he's out of he's out of the administration, and there's a new administration. And to say, look, it's not going to be a big priority in this administration. So we're going to go out on our own and we just have to fight for this mm. as organizations, as groups that uh, uh, fight for this issue. We've got to join together and create a movement and export it to the world. Um, you know, dic- dictators and despots hate religious freedom. They hate freedom in general. And there are many who are constricting uh, freedoms around the world. So the idea is to create a force that lives on and moves on and uh, is continuing, but on a private basis as opposed to the U.S. government uh, uh, being the initiator. Mm. Wow. Okay. That's that's such an important point to clarify. And, you know, religious freedom, I think, even here in South Africa, is something that we kind of – we always say it, but we kind of do take it for granted because we do have it. You know, even here we have yeah. this incredible religious freedom. And, and you know, we're used to hearing certain things like when our president comes on TV and says, okay, you know, we are fighting COVID and we're facing these realities, you know, um, but this is what we're going to do. And we actually spoke to the Council of Churches and their advisors on this. It's like your president is saying that and it, it's, it's quite comforting because you know, okay, you know, he's speaking to the churches, he's speaking to the religious leaders. So we kind of just... Mm-hmm 
go, you know, this is cool. You know, it's great. We have this freedom. We receive it. We understand it. We love it. But, you know, just to get real for a moment, what really is happening, you know, to Christians globally? Has persecution increased? We know, okay, yes, there's COVID and people have been thinking, oh, we're in lockdown. We're all in our homes. That is the top level worldview, I'd say. We're all in our homes. We're kind of safe. But what has actually really been going on with Christian persecution? Because as far as we can tell, and, you know, when we look at the world watch list that came out and we hear everything, you know, Christian persecution hasn't decreased. It's not decreasing. What is actually happening? I mean, you've been nearly two decades as a leading voice in international religious liberty and freedom. And I'd love to know what exactly is happening with Christians in the world. Is persecution increasing? Yeah, the simple answer, it's definitely increasing. And there's a lot of data to back that up. Um, But you look around the world and I would I would, you know, when I talk to Christians, I say, where do you think the bullseye of persecution is? And they'll say either the Middle East or North Korea. And it's hard to argue North Korea is just the Mm -hmm. worst place on Earth, but it's kind of a perennial spot. So let's just put North Korea aside. And I'd say, first of all, uh, where do you think it is? And for you guys, I'd say it's actually pretty close to home. It's Nigeria. So in Nigeria, millions of Christian farmers have been pushed off their lands, 50 to 70,000 murdered over 20 years. Um, It's absolutely a brutal ongoing thing that uh, is never fixed by design. Mm. It's never fixed. And it's part of a, 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 a bigger strategy, I would say. But that's a fascinating one that most people don't even know about. And even some Nigerians, especially when they come to States or maybe come to South Africa and they get caught up in a, a new country, they, they don't really know about it. But that's a surprising one to a lot of people. Hmm. Uh, you, you look at China. Now, China for decades was going in the right direction. And if you plotted it on a graph, there'd be ups and downs. But it was all going uh, up and to the right. Well, under President Xi Jinping, I mean, there's been a massive retrenchment. And he is absolute. He is an absolute enemy of Christianity. He's an old-scale uh, Maoist Marxist, and so he's destroyed churches everywhere, shut down, uh, taken over the Catholic Church within the country. Um, you look at Turkey. Turkey uh, ruled by President Erdogan. He came in as an Islamic moderate. Turkey was always a incredibly strategically important country. Uh, just as a bridge between Asia and the West mm. and a balancing point. And they were always, uh, and uh, they were a, a secular country. So it was, it was Muslim, but they were ruled by seculars. Now mm. Erdogan comes in uh, as a reformer um, against corruption um, and as a moderate, but once he gains power, he quickly starts destroying his enemies and uh, he destroyed the press, the judiciary, uh, any opponents it went after Christians and secured himself as basically an emperor for life, just like Xi in China. Hmm. And now he's got these very expansionist views. He he is very clearly a radical Islamist, and he's using uh, the weapons, uh, the weapons of war, and the assets of the state to go against to to turn against Christians. So most recently, helping Azerbaijan take part of Armenia and brutal, brutal uh, war. And so he's a very dangerous character and he's making a lot of comments. If you if you understand uh, Turkish culture and language and what he's saying, he's a radical Islamist 
and now he has control of a significant state and army, and he's willing to use it against Christians. So those are just uh, some of the places around the world that are kind of hot spots and things to watch. Yeah. This is so interesting as well, because like you said, Nigeria, you know, on our continent and here in South Africa as well, we have a lot of Nigerians that come to mm. South Africa and that are living here. And then we have ongoing attacks of xenophobic violence in, mm-hmm. in South Africa, you know, which you've probably mm-hmm. heard about. And, you know, just because people in South Africa feel, oh, well, there's all these foreigners that are coming, you know, and they're coming and they're going to yeah. take our jobs and, you know, all of that kind of thing. Yes. But not often realizing the reason behind why people are coming to South Africa, why they are, you know, seeking to make a different life for themselves. Yeah, and yes, sometimes it is they do come illegally and they can't work and they do. And there's just so much, so much to understand, so much to think about, you know, and it's it's so interesting. And I'm glad that you mentioned Nigeria because, again, we just don't think about it. You know, we just don't realize this is happening on our continent as well. We see things happening in Kenya as well. We see what's happening yes. in Mozambique, yes. which is yes. on our border. And yeah. it's it's really real and it's so close to home. And you know what? Have you kind of I know that you guys have been following the situation in Mozambique. Has there been any kind of, you know, religious persecution or is this just a kind of a conflict civil war type situation? You know, Lauren, honestly, you stopped me on I should have I should have prepped for that because it has been on our radar some, but I can't really speak to it. <laughs> you know what? I didn't I didn't um, ask you that question <laughs> when I sent you when I sent you an email. So I probably need no to problem. ask forgiveness for that one. <laughs> you know, it's it's been so interesting because there's been so much that people have been asking me about, um, and some of the individuals that work with ICC, like Manus and Nathan Johnson. I connected them with other people here, and so people have been asking me what's happening in Mozambique. So. So I, I actually, you know what? I was just like, okay, I've got Jeff here. I'm going to ask him. But yeah, it's it's something that we need to follow as well. I think as South Africans and a challenge to the listeners as well to say, you know what? This is happening on our border. A lot of us are concerned about it. Maybe not as much as what we should be, but you know, we can we can and should take note of what's happening. Just keep our eye out there, and then and then consider these bigger issues. You know, like what's happening on our continent. And it's okay. Nigeria might be a twelve-hour flight. You know, but it still is on our continent. It's still quite close to home. And so we're going to go to a really really quick song break. But Jeff is staying with me, and we're going to continue talking about the IRF summit, which is so incredibly important and. Also, now we're going to get in to, you know, what's going to be happening out there. So don't go anywhere. Enjoy some music. You're with me here, Lauren Jacobs on Voice of Change today on K-Pulpit. And you know what? It's such a good day to be talking about religious freedom because it's something that we, again, like we've been saying in this discussion, we take it for granted and we think, okay, you know what? We're, we're cool out here where we live. We're okay. You know, but there are a lot of people who are being persecuted for their faith in different religions as well, not just in Christianity. And Jeff, I wanted to ask you, I know that ICC is a stakeholder at the IRF Summit. What exactly will you guys be doing there? Will you be kind of advocating, you know, for persecuted Christians? Is it about really more just connecting, networking? What what kind of role will you guys be taking on? Yeah, well, first of all, imagine many groups like us. So there's groups representing Muslims, other groups representing Christians, Hindus, uh, etc., Orthodox Christians, everybody. So uh, and then each of us has our own agenda. So we're there to 
create a powerful international force uh, that will push and move religious freedom forward altogether. That's we're all we've all bought it bought into that and to support each other in terms of religious freedom. But then each of us has breakout sessions. So there's a number of key organizers like ourselves. And then we have our own breakout sessions and where we're teaching people about our issues, what can be done, what's going on, where, uh, et cetera. So in the past, one of the things we did was there's, um, this is fairly esoteric, but uh, there is, there was a law created in the days of the Soviet Union uh, it was created in the United States. So basically, we looked at countries like the Soviet Union, and they were monolithic, and they weren't interested in in changing their behavior. They were evil empires, and they would uh, they would destroy people. They would destroy, ignore human rights, destroy dissidents, etc. So there was a law created that allowed uh, the United States government to go in and identify key perpetrators against dissidents, against religious freedom actors. And so it's it's a complex tool to use. But for instance, we've learned how to use it. And in past summits, what we would do is we train other groups how to do it. Mm-hmm. So we say, hey, this is how it works. Uh, it's complicated, but this is how it works and how you can use it. And we've used it to target, I won't say which countries, but different mm-hmm. countries and uh, people within those countries or whoever else that the government was using to come against Christians. And then what happens is the U.S. government can then freeze their assets. They don't, they're not allowed to travel in the West. Hmm. Uh, and so it's a pretty powerful tool. But that's one of the things, for instance, we would do, uh, as well as just educate our, our followers on what's happening where and trying to get different people talking together. So we, too, bring experts together and say, hey, this guy's great uh, person to listen to. Listen to this gal. She's just really hmm. strong on this topic kind of general conference stuff, but all to further the cause of uh, understanding persecution, how to fight it. Hmm. That's awesome. That's so great. I love what what you guys are doing. And also, I wanted to ask you about the summit specifically. You know, is this a summit that people actually have to attend, you know, kind of physically? Or is it something like, say, someone from South Africa wanted to attend? Is this kind of a virtual summit that people can join? Or is it kind of you have to be there kind of reality? Well, you know, always at a conference like this, the best experience to be live and it is a live event. And then I think there's almost 600 registered now. Hopefully it'll get up to about 700. But and I'm trying I should know the answer to this, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be uh, live streams and different things you can access online because, look, most people in the world can't get there. Yeah. So uh, I would go to uh, do, 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 do. oh darn it I'm looking for the uh, uh, oh you you supply it please I get stuck I again I'm that. like what's the I official site <laughs> I will do that at the end of the broadcast yeah. I'll definitely Thank do you. that you know I also wanted to say I know that you've authored two books on religious freedom and you've been mm-hmm. speaking into this area for such a long time which is so incredible and it's so important because. We need to hear about this. And just in your experience over the last few years, you know, I guess people talk about, uh, you know, persecution and religious persecution and they think, oh, man, this is such a heavy topic and it's really so intense, you know. (laughs) But ultimately, is there hope? Have you witnessed hope? Have you witnessed things changing, you know, over, you know, nearly two decades of doing this? Have you witnessed, you know, kind of what we would say the, the hopeful side of things? Mm. Yeah, well, so first of all, and by the way, it's IRFsummit.com is the website, okay. IRFsummit.com. Awesome, thank um, you. 
Yeah, what a what a great question. I really love that question. So I'd answer on a couple fronts, and that, Lauren, first of all, I would say I have done this, like you said, almost two decades, and I've been transformed by the people we serve. Mm. And so I'll, I'll often describe it like this. So basically, I, I've just been transformed. And what you what you meet when you understand and see and learn from the persecuted, you kind of are you're sitting at the feet of people who have their doctorate in suffering and mm. devotion to the Lord at the highest degree of suffering. Those two are coupled together. And those, that, those two things are potent, either one, and you join them together with the Holy Spirit and it transforms people. And there are so many lessons for each of us to learn from them. That's, that's for me, that's the juncture that I sit in and just love to extol what they've learned, what they're teaching, and what what the lives of the persecuted, what their lessons are, and they're so applicable to us. So because we we all are, you know, we are all beaten up by the world. They're beaten mm. for their faith. We're beaten up by the world. They serve time in prison. Our prisons are emotional or uh, you know mental or financial, mm. but we all find ourselves in prison. And they're tortured for their faith. We're tortured just in a life. There's a lot of pain. And so, and sometimes it's very heavy. So they've learned, they've been to seminaries in the world. And these seminaries have the names of the greatest, the worst prisons in the world. And they've studied under these mm -hmm. teachers of beating and torture. And those are their teachers. And the Holy Spirit guides them to deep, deep truth. And so then what you find is really what is the Lord trying to do? We live in a very fallen, broken world. And that's that's certainly true for them, but it's also true for us, even if we live in a democracy. Obviously, we're broken. Everyone around us is broken. This kingdom is ruled by Satan. It's a very messy existence, and we're, so many are bewildered and lost. Mm. They, they point the way home. If you listen to them deeply, and for a long time you'll understand, you'll say, I understand now what the Lord is doing in this life. Where is he trying to take, teach, to take us and teach us along the way? And what is he doing with pain? There's a lesson in pain. We usually just want to run from it. There are mm. deep, deep lessons we have to learn. And, are, and the Lord wants us to be by these experiences. Mm. Wow, that's a, wow, that's such a powerful lesson, I think, that we can learn. I think as Again, I was thinking, you know, in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament, we read so many times about trials. We read about what, you know, mm -hmm. the apostles went through, what Paul speaks about. And we, mm -hmm. you know, this endurance that we're supposed to have. But I think yeah. that that must take such a different kind of perspective from someone who actually has endured physical persecution, mm. like you explain it, you know, whether it be in prison or whether you've been beaten for your faith or whether you've lost maybe a family member right before you, you yeah. know, yes. reading the the Bible must actually take on a whole different meaning when you've been through those experiences. And it's almost like, you know, you explained it as sitting at their feet and hearing their stories. It's kind of like there's so much that they could probably teach us persecuted believers. They are part of our family, you know, spiritual family, and there's so much that they can teach us. Is there one lesson that you really learned that really stuck with you that someone shared with you once upon a time, even if it was long ago, that really kind of stayed with you? Yeah, I think let me share this one. And this is this is numerous people in prison have shared this with me. I've seen it in my own life. So 
Lauren, like I said, each of us finds ourselves in prison at different times. Mm. And these, again, these are mental, they're emotional, financial, you know, just times of great pain. And when people are in prison, there's one common response, and that is that we will do anything to get out and mm. we will strive and strive. And we're desperately clawing to get out of this prison we find ourselves in. And so what I share the first question I have for people is they have to ask themselves, is this an assignment? Hmm. Is this an assignment from the Lord? So, so many uh, Christian leaders in China have shared this with me, that they go to prison, they say, ah, oh, okay, so this is my assignment now. I am now supposed to go to foster in there, and they're hmm. desperately lost, and they're so open. So this is my assignment. So if you have to ask that question, is this an assignment, and then you have to wrestle through obedience and to say, if this is my assignment, then I'm going to do it and do it well. So I'll, I'll bring this lesson to life with one brother who was, uh, who was imprisoned and he was imprisoned in Iran and he was beaten every day. He was beaten and tortured every day. And the Lord started talking to him, Lauren, and he said, I want you to love this person who's torturing you. Hmm. Yeah. And he said, heck, no, you've got the wrong idea, <laughs> mm. Lord. So obviously, let me help you to show you that you're off here. And Lord keeps gently touching and tugging on his heart. And he began to see that this person had a job and it was a horrible job, but he had a job. But he also had a family and he had children. He was lost. And the Lord loved this man and wanted to. Re mm. So all his time prior to that had been focused on desperately trying to escape these circumstances. Now, and here's the great lesson for us. And this happens over and over. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it with a persecutor. You must get to the point where you say, my life is not my own. And I have to die to myself and to say, if this is an assignment, then Lord, I will stay in this prison, whatever this prison is you're in. If this is a prison that's an assignment, then I will stay here, Father, as long as you will have me here. Hmm. I will learn what you want me to learn. And it's total submission and it's a submission that most of us uh, struggle to get to mm. when you get to that point almost always it's it's crazy i mean it's almost within days when you get to that point and what i tell people is you're going to reach out and you're going to close the prison door mm. instead of constantly banging on to get out close that prison door and lock it and say father you open the key when you're ready and when you get to that point that's when the prison door springs open over and over. I've just seen it. I mean, literally within days, they get to this point and it's like lesson learned. You've graduated. Now go free. Um, that's one of my biggest. Hmm. I'm actually just writing this down and sharing it with me and kind of putting it aside because, again, it's this is this is so powerful as well. And it's such an important lesson. And, and like you shared, you know, this is something that we can all experience in our lives, whether it be, you know, the like you said, mental, financial, whether it be mm. this COVID reality that we're now facing. And now I don't believe that God just gave it to all of us, but now we're all facing different hardships through this. Yeah. You know, some yeah, people yeah. obviously lost their loved ones or have lost mm. their jobs. And we know in South Africa, it's pretty bad economically and a lot of people don't have food and it's kind of really hard but again, it's kind of like, you know, like you said, wrestling through this obedience. What can we do in the situation? I believe that God is still with us. It's comforting and it's challenging, you know, because it's kind of exactly like you said, my life is not my own. I got to die to myself. Mm -hmm. 
and what a powerful lesson but also what a challenging one to us and it's wow thank you so much for sharing that that's that is so incredibly powerful and i wanted to end off with asking one final question uh it was something that you alluded to earlier on it was about you know being an advocate and also being a christian you know, holding both, you know, in any kind of advocacy work, which I know some of my listeners actually are involved in advocacy work in different areas, whether it be domestic violence or, you know, abuse. You know, you have that reality. And then you also, we have this reality that we are saved and we have to hold them both. How do you, you what have you found to be so important when you got to bring those two things together? Obviously, your faith is foundational. It's who you mm-hmm. are. It's what you believe. But then we're also involved in advocacy work, which means that sometimes we're going to have to be involved with the government. Or we're going to have to be involved with people that don't see things the same as us. And we kind of struggle sometimes because it seems like two different worlds, you know, and I've heard people mm-hmm. explain that. How do you deal with that? What is the what is the key to really doing what God has called you to do if it's advocacy, but staying so rooted in your faith? Yeah, I mean, I just think, first of all, that's the that's the first decision to say I'm rooted in my faith. I will not change. And, yeah, you know, for me, it's like, um, you know, when I get together, I've been in this world so long, I don't even think about it much anymore, honestly, mm-hmm. because it's so normal. But I know it's it's um, jarring to people when they first experience it. But I think part of that is because we live, we tend to live in a bubble. That's all human beings. We mm. surround ourselves with people that think like us and et cetera. So um, this person, and sometimes these groups are ones persecuting us. How about that? Mm. So <laughs> it's, but the ones we're working with tend to be ones who are saying they're not radicalized on any level. And they're saying, hey, we want to be part of the solution. But so there, there is some struggle there to get past uh, suspicion and to trust and to care and just say, um, you know, the Lord loves his, his people. He loves his, not his people, it's just the creation. He loves humanity. He hates to see suffering. He hates when we treat each other so badly. Mm. So to become a force for good and to join hands, it doesn't matter. Everyone you, every person walking down the street has completely different views from you. You're going to have a lot more that are concentric at your local church or whatever, but different views are just part of life, and that's just completely okay. Hmm. And it doesn't make yours uh, any less true. So, hmm. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. And Jeff, I want to say thank you so much for spending this time with us today and for sharing not only about the summit, but for, you know some lessons that we can take away with us as believers you know, in our walk, in our journey with God. And so thank you so much for being here. And also, you know, it's really our prayer from this side that the summit is such a blessing to so many people and that the incredible work that you and your team are doing will just really, really consistently bless, you know, everybody that you're working with, everyone that you're educating, everyone that you're advocating for and listening to. And so thank you so much for this important work that you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate all your kind comments and for the work you're doing, too. Thank you so much, Jeff, and take care. All right. God bless. I'm so grateful that we are part of a global community of believers. And I'm so grateful that we are part of, you know, this community. And I call it a community. You know, as believers, we are joined together and we are brothers and sisters in the faith. We are a global community no matter where we are. And there's people today who are advocating, fighting and working super, super hard to protect religious liberty, specifically as well for Christians around the world. And we really give honor to places like 
like ICC, to people like Jeff King, but also to so many people who are working in this area. I can think of so many kind of like open doors as well, working among the persecuted. And we know that we should have a heart for this. I have found in general, people don't talk that much about those who are persecuted unless they've been on a missions trip where they've been exposed to this, where they've basically you know, heard from people who were persecuted, then it becomes real. The numbers become names and the names become people we know. And so we need to be considering, you know, what is this all about? How do we really advocate and think and pray and work with and for those who are persecuted? We need to be thinking about what religious liberty really means. And you know what? We need to just honor those who are fighting in this area. So don't forget, if you want to join the IRF Summit, it is available virtually i have been on the website and was scrolling around and they say that a big part of this summit is definitely you know the virtual joining this is the world we live in now you know we know we have covid but we also know that we are kind of you know countries apart so if you want to join the irf summit there is still time to do that just go to irfsummit.com and it takes place between july the 13th and july the 15th 2021 out in washington but again you can join virtually so don't waste time you have to register your seed go on over irfsummit.com get on there and you know what join and listen join in on the workshops even or just be exposed to more stories of those who are being persecuted and again it's not just christians who are persecuted it's people of different faiths that are persecuted for their faith and it's it's so good to hear the stories and to you know to understand what people are going through and then you know it creates compassion understanding respect and just a kind of a different worldview that we can carry with us of compassion and of love and of trying to be respectful, you know, and I think that those are such important qualities to have. So again, it's been so good to be with you on Voice of Change today. I pray that you have been blessed. I pray that religious liberty is something you've begun to think about, something that we can be grateful for and put it in our gratitude box for 2021 and say, thank you, Abba Father, that we have this great religious liberty here in South Africa and that we enjoy this and we take it with us and we are so grateful for it. May we always have it. May we always fight for it. So see you next week. Can't wait to be with you then. Take care. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.